Hey guys, welcome to episode three of Prospect Barn. I'm Curtis Ratner. How's it going, guys? I'm Jeff Fleiford. And today we're going to do a little bit uh, different for you guys. We've been recapping the first round of the draft, the first two episodes, but we're going to we're gonna move on to more free prospect talk today and just go over a, a variety of things for you guys. Hopefully uh, shed some light on you know, the future stars coming up. We're going to talk some NCAA. We're going to talk some uh, rookie scoring leaders in the NHL and a, a little bit of other hockey news that doesn't necessarily have to do with the prospects, but it's definitely uh, worth mentioning. Yeah, I'm excited to get this episode going for you guys. Um, it's definitely a little different what we've been doing, a little more exciting, and uh, definitely some talk about what what's going around the NHL right now and all the other leagues uh, in the hockey world. Yeah, so I want to first start off with uh, Toronto Maple Leafs announcing the other day that they fired head coach Mike Babcock, which I guess... A lot of people saw it coming, so it shouldn't be that big of a shock. But to me, it's still crazy. I think Mike Babcock has been, I'd say, universally known as one of the best coaches in hockey for the past 10, 15 years. So to, to see him lose his job like that, is, uh, it's, it's still a shock to me, even though it might not be to some people. And I think if he really wants a job, uh, he'll have one within the next two weeks if he really wants one. I know there's a couple teams that are struggling right now. I wouldn't be surprised uh, surprised if they fire Jeff Blaschel in Detroit and he goes back there or something. But, uh, yeah, it's it, it's big news. And, uh, Jeff, I want to get your opinion on that. Yeah, I mean, uh, Toronto, they took a shot. They, they took a shot with him. Thought it was a sure thing. Definitely hoping to bring a cup uh, back to the city. Um, they do have to pay him, I think, for the next four years, over $5 million each year. Uh, unless he does sign with another team. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, some players you've seen over the years, they've definitely said they don't like the, his coaching style. Uh, they think it's too much about him and not enough about the players. Uh, we've heard a lot of people come out and say uh, bad things about him, but we've also heard people say good things. Um, I don't know if you guys um, know a guy named Mike Commodore. Uh, give him a good follow on Twitter. He's a great Great guy to follow, uh, ex-player for Babcock. He uh, does not like Babcock uh, in any way possible. So if you just want to see some hate on him, uh, go give him a follow. But um, but I don't. He is a great coach. Uh, obviously, those cups in uh, Detroit or cup in Detroit. But the team he did have in Detroit uh, like was stacked. Like I think honestly, any coach in the NHL could have won a Stanley Cup with them. Um, then he, he's only been out of the first round. That's the, the last time he won a Stanley Cup was the last time he was out of the first round of the playoffs. So, uh, that's pretty crazy to hear. So, but I don't know, Babcock, he probably does have a job soon, but we'll see. Yeah. My Commodore is a great follow for anyone listening. Uh, I would definitely recommend it, but, uh, I have a quote here from Morgan Riley, a star defenseman in Toronto that I want to read real quick. It says, we had one year of a rebuild and made the playoffs every season since the core we have here, what he's been able to do with those players, I think we're better off having him. So, uh, I guess he's not really taking a shot at Kyle Dubas or anything for getting rid of him. He's just saying he liked playing for Babcock and I guess thinks this exit was premature. I think maybe if they had struggled some more and ended up missing the playoffs, which I doubt would have happened, but, uh, or lost to Boston again in the first round possibly uh then yeah maybe he could have lost a job at that point but I think a lot of people think it was a little premature they have a great team and uh a little bit of a losing streak can show you anything can happen but uh anyway Kyle Dubas ended up bringing in Sheldon Keefe who was the head coach of the Toronto Marlies the Leafs AHL affiliate uh, who Dubas also brought in to coach there so he's familiar with him he likes him a lot and he was able to get his first win last night in Arizona uh, so a little bit of a turnaround for the Leafs already. 
Yeah, don't quote me on this, but I think he did also win a championship in the AHL with the Marlies. Uh, so he is like a proven winner, and he's also coached a lot of guys that are in their system in the NHL right now for him. So he knows a lot of them already. Um, yeah, he did start his uh, career out with a with a victory in uh, Arizona, who's a top seven team in the NHL right now, believe it or not. Um, so that's a great start, and uh, we'll see if they can keep it rolling. All right, yeah, moving on from Babcock. Uh, big news announced this week also. The Devils have waived goaltender Corey Schneider. Uh, Corey Schneider really, I don't think he ever lived up to his full potential in New Jersey. He had a couple solid seasons, but he never really was the goaltender they hoped he'd be. Uh, a lot of people were praising New Jersey high this year, and I, I kept saying at the start of the year that Corey Schneider was a big question mark for me, and I really didn't think they were going to be a playoff team, or if they did make the playoffs, have a legit chance of making a run because of the goaltending. And it was announced this week they finally waived him. Uh, Corey Schneider's a great guy, really easy to root for, but he's just really lost it, I'd say, in terms of his elite ability. And uh, it's going to be mostly uh, Mackenzie Blackwood now, who's actually having a very good season as a rookie goaltender. Uh, it's going to be mostly on him now to come through for them and uh, take over a majority of the starts. Yeah, I mean, Snyder, uh, the last two seasons for him have been absolutely brutal. Uh, I think he's won just only a handful of games in the last two seasons. And even though New Jersey last year was uh, not a great team, uh, still, like, you just, hate, you just hate to see that for a goaltender. Um, he's definitely not in a good place right now. Uh, but yeah, he gets waived. I don't think any team wanted to pick him up because he is making a six, I believe, a six million dollars contract right now, which is a a pretty uh, high rate for a goaltender that can't seem to be steady. Um, but yeah, uh, Blackwood is stepping in. I mean, his first game without Corey Snyder on the bench, uh, they got beat pretty bad by the Boston Bruins five to one. So. Uh, who knows what they're going to do. Maybe they'll go trade for a goalie, or maybe they'll just uh, wait out till next year. Yeah, Blackwood does lead all rookie goaltenders in wins with seven, and he has a shutout. So uh, that's also worth noting. But, uh, yeah, big news from New Jersey. Uh, I'm not really sure what's going on there. The talent is there, but uh, they got a lot of stuff to figure out before they're ready to compete in this league. Okay, now this stat is by far one of the most wild stats I've ever seen in hockey. Uh, I don't really know how this happens. Like You can see this happen in high school hockey where they mess up the point sheets and stuff like that. But for an NHL team where obviously they're getting all the stats correct and double-checking everything, making sure they review every play to see who had the right number of points on it, uh, the Edmonton Oilers right now, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl have a combined 78 points. And every other forward on the roster has combined 65. And I just don't understand how that happens. I mean, obviously, they're two of the best players in the league. McDavid is, I think, pulled himself by far away from Crosby as the best player in the world now. Not to take anything away from Crosby, but McDavid just that electric out there. But, uh, I mean, I just can't imagine a, like how this happens. <laughs> it's insane. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean... You never see that in the NHL. It's not a normal thing. Uh, it just shows how dominant those two players are when they're on the ice together. Um, just, you know, also, the lack of depth on their team, it's pretty crazy. But, um, I mean, McDavid, you know, is a world-class player. He's going to be the best player in the NHL for a lot of years to come. Uh, and uh, Drysdale, he's, I would say he's in the top 15 of players in the NHL, especially when he's playing with, um, playing with McDavid. So... I mean, the, I don't think they're going to win a Stanley Cup with uh, just those two players getting all their points. 
Um, but hopefully they can add some depth to the team and uh, see what happens. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on that. It's uh, it's crazy. I might even put Drysdale higher than fifth in the top 15. I mean, obviously, I have to make a long list, and it's almost impossible to narrow down exactly who your top 10 would be. But I, I'd make a case for him being in the top 10 right now, at least. He's uh, he's on fire, and so is McDavid. They're they're unbelievable. Like 14 more points than all the rest of their fellers combined is uh, it's really mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, going going off of that uh, crazy stat uh, about McDavid and Drysdale, uh, David Postrock over in Boston, uh, he's 11 power play goals this year, uh, 20 total goals on the season, uh, leading the NHL right now. Uh, he's only 23 years old. Um, he has more power play goals than nine other teams in the NHL, which is insane if you think about it. Uh, how uh, at a high rate he scores on the power play, um, just nine other teams, like including teams like Pittsburgh. Uh, and the Blackhawks with deadly weapons on their power play, as well as the Islanders, who are the second-best team in the NHL right now. So this is pretty crazy stuff to talk about. Yeah, Boston has obviously that elite power play with all those guys that can make plays out there, and Pasternak seems to be you know, just getting better and better every year. Uh, his shot is, uh, I mean... Obviously, you have those um, you guys like Ovechkin, Line, but like I, I mean, I'd put his one timer right up there with any of them right now. His ability to shoot the puck, and you got guys like Tory Krug, Brad Marchand making those plays for him up top. It's uh, it's crazy to watch, and uh, uh, I could see Boston if their power play keeps up like this, if Pasternak keeps up like this, I can see them doing some serious damage down the road into the postseason. Yeah, exactly. We'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully, he can keep it up for the Bruins, uh, but it's pretty hard to keep up a rate like that. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of teams out there uh, that are doing really well this year. Also a lot struggling. Um, a lot of young guys are stepping up. Okay, after that, we're going to shift over to strictly NHL rookies here. We're going to go by the NHL rookie point scoring leaders. And at the top, if you listened last episode, you should not be surprised that it is still Kale McCarr in Colorado. 25 points in 22 games, 7 goals, 18 assists, and a plus 9 rating. Uh, he had two goals last night and this kid is, he's special, special. He's, uh, he, he, I mean, I think he's far and away the best player in this draft class. And I don't think it's long before he's the best defenseman in the NHL at this point. Uh, it's not just his offensive numbers. He's great defensively. He averages almost 20 minutes of ice time per game. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a generational talent and he's just so exciting to watch. Yeah, I mean, the kid's crazy. It's just so fast on the ice. Uh, he can pretty much do everything out there that you see from a lot of the top veterans. Um, yeah, 25 points, uh, 1.14 points per game. Uh, this kid's crazy. I saw a stat a few games ago for him. He was on pace for 90 points this season, which would bl- blow any NHL defensive rookie out of the water. I think the, the number one is like 78 points. Uh, so if he gets 90 points, uh, that's something no one's ever seen before. Uh, but we'll see if he can keep it up. His team is stacked. They do have some injuries right now. But um, um, if he can keep playing with McKinnon on that power play, uh, he's going to keep putting those points up. Yeah, exactly. The sky's the limit for that kid. Uh, also worth noticing, the guy we talked about also last episode, Quinn Hughes, brother of Jack, the first overall pick this year. Uh, he has 17 points in 22 games, with two goals and 15 assists, and that means that they're the two reading point scorers for defensemen are both or uh, for rookies are both defensemen, which uh, you're not really used to seeing. They're both, uh, I said, they're both definitely I'd say offensive minded, but are responsible defensively, and uh, 
I mean, if they're already finding ways to put up these numbers this short in their NHL career, it's going to be crazy what they're doing in a couple of years, both these guys. Uh, Quinn Hughes has looked unbelievable, and uh, Makar obviously the same. Yeah, it's crazy to think. Uh, I don't think really a lot of people thought that Quinn Hughes would have more points than Jack Hughes right now at this point in the season. Um, but yeah, he has seven more points than his brother right now. Uh, he just looks like a stud on the uh, on the ice for the uh, for Vancouver right now. This is uh, this two defensemen in the top leading the way for the rookies is unbelievable. It's something we haven't seen in a, in a while, especially like well the offensive talent we've had over the last few years with um, McDavid, Matthews, Eichel, uh, all the players like that. Uh, it's pretty cool to see defensemen leading the way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, moving on to the third spot, that's Victor Olofsson in Buffalo. And he had a red-hot start to the year. He's kind of cooled down as of late. Uh, through 22 games now, he's got seven goals and nine assists for 16 points. But, uh, I mean, he's impressed a lot. I didn't expect much from him at all this year. And, uh, I mean, he, I definitely put him in the Calder race for sure. I think he was leading it maybe after the first week of the season. But uh, he's been kind of caught by some other guys. But he's he's been remarkable so far this year and uh, a big surprise to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, he has cooled down just like the Buffalo Sabres have, have as well. Um I think they started the the year off like nine and one, and now they're like they're two and eight in their last ten, I believe. Uh, it's like it's like classic Buffalo. You see it from them every year. It seems like now uh, they start the year off hot, and then they just die uh, like a month into the season. Um, they're still losing games. They got to figure out to turn that around. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, Olafson he did have an unbelievable start. Um, we'll see if he can uh, keep it up and get back on track. Yeah, exactly. Uh, every single year, you think to yourself, you hear, "Oh, this year's different for Buffalo. Like this year, they're gonna they're gonna keep it going all year. They're gonna finally make the playoffs." And then every single year, this seems to happen. Uh, obviously, it's very early, and they could still turn it around. But uh, I mean, I don't. There's really nothing else to say about Buffalo at this point. It, it feels like it's every every year type of thing now. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, talk about. Uh we keep going down, I guess. Uh, Martin Neckass on Carolina. Uh, 22 games played, 15 points. Uh, definitely a, a great start to his career. Um, Carolina Hurricanes as well. They're a pretty good team. They're a solid team this year. Uh, he looks to just fit right in with their system. Um, he looks great. Um, he's playing all areas of the ice for them. So um, hopefully he can keep it up as well. Yeah, he also has slowed down a tiny bit, as same as Buffalo with Olafson. Carolina slowed down a little bit, and so has Neckass. But uh, I think that this kid was a little bit under the radar coming into the year. No one also expected him to be producing like this, but a uh, great start to the year. He's got great talent, and it's been showing so far. Um, Ilya Mikheyev in Toronto has been a big surprise to a lot of people, too. Uh, obviously, you know, being a rookie, he's not going to put up crazy, crazy numbers, but 14 points through 24 games is nothing to bad an eye at. He's having a great year. Uh, and then one more guy I want to talk about who was thought by a lot of people coming into the season to be the front runner for the Calder, uh, Capo Caco, thought to be the most NHL-ready player in the draft. Uh, he's picking it up as of late. He's on a three-game point streak now. Uh, he looks more and more comfortable every single game. And despite not getting to play big minutes or with big time line mates. He's playing on that third line still with uh, Brett Howden and Brendan Lemieux. Uh, he's putting up crazy numbers. So I, I would love to see what he would be doing if, if they played him with Panarin. Obviously, they got something working with that line right now, so Quinn's not going to break that up. But uh, Kako's starting to come into his own too, so I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, 
starts to poke his name back up that leaderboard into the into the rookie scoring leaders very soon. Yeah, I mean, once uh, Zavanna Jez is fully healthy and they start playing together, uh, hope you'll probably see his numbers climb a little bit. Um, yeah, he's playing right around 15 minutes a night, which uh, is a little below the top uh, the top rookies right now. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a guy that can score at will, it looks like, when he wants. Uh, but we'll see what happens with him. Uh, the Rangers are struggling as well. Uh, they thought a lot of people thought they were a bubble team this year, but they're uh, right around uh, I think 27th in the NHL in points right now, so they got to turn it around quick. Okay, we're gonna shift now over to NCAA hockey, and we're gonna go over the leading point scorers there. Uh, a bunch of these guys actually went undrafted and are starting to make names for themselves. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, a bunch of these guys should be getting PTOs uh, definitely after this year, and uh, at least given a chance to. Uh, to make the NHL. Uh, leading off the NCAA point scoring right now is Jack Duggan from Providence. Uh, sophomore year, he's got 26 points in 12 games, uh, 2.17 points per game, and uh, he's been absolutely tearing it up. Uh, only player in college hockey averaging over two points a game, and uh, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, he was drafted by Vegas. Uh, in the 2017 draft, 142nd overall in the fifth round. I think he definitely, if he decides to leave at the end of this year, uh, obviously it's up to him and his uh, family and party to decide what he wants to do. But I definitely think he gets a shot at the Vegas roster uh, heading towards the end of the year. They've been lacking a little bit of depth scoring, so he could definitely help them there. Yeah, I mean, uh, he looks great right now. I mean, averaging two over two points per game right now is Absolutely insane. 21 assists this year. Uh, you just don't see those numbers from someone uh, that's a sophomore and calls 12 games in. Uh, he looks great. Uh, like Providence, their schedule's no joke either. They play the top teams. They're always one of the best teams in college hockey. Uh, we should see a lot. Hopefully, he can keep it up. Uh, we'll see him around the NHL hopefully pretty soon. Yeah, moving on to the second player in the points list, and that's actually his teammate, Tace Thompson, also a sophomore at Providence with 19 points in 12 games, 9 goals, 10 assists for 1.58 points per game. Uh, he's not under contract with the Devils right now, but his rights are to the Devils. He was drafted actually this past draft in the fourth round, uh, 96th overall by the Devils. And uh, he's definitely looking like someone that could be a, a huge help for the Devils as they've also been kind of lacking depth scoring. Uh, I mean, these two kids together playing at Providence right now are absolutely lighting it up. And uh, I think Providence is definitely in a great place right now. These kids are in a great place, only being sophomores. And you can expect a lot more from them moving forward. I mean, yeah, they're them playing together right now. It just looks like it's unfair for opponents uh, with 26 points and 19 points. Uh, respectively uh they look great out there uh gonna see if they can hold it up the, the entire season and hopefully push it into the frozen four this year for providence um i'm definitely uh i'm only i'm only actually only live an hour away from there so hopefully get to go check out a game this year or if they're up in boston i'll go check them out as well i uh, love, love to watch those guys play yeah, definitely. Uh, moving on to the third, and that is Nathan Susi, a senior from Penn State who was undrafted. So I think a lot of people can expect this kid to be getting a PTL at the end of the season, uh, give himself a chance to make an NHL roster despite going undrafted in his draft year. He's already 23 years old, though, so this is something to keep an eye on. 
not saying that it's impossible at this age. A lot of guys get signed out of college. I'd say more so than ever, people are coming undrafted out of college and getting NHL deals. But uh, he describes himself as a pass-first player, which makes sense. He's averaging over an assist per game. And uh, this has really been his coming out party for him. He had only uh, 37 points in 39 games last year, which is nothing bad, but uh, under a point per game, he's averaging 1.64 so far. Uh, I think this kid's got a lot of talent. Uh, all his coaches love him, teammates love him. So I'd expect this kid to be, uh, to be at least getting a chance in the NHL next year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'd love to see it from him. He's a senior, as you said, undrafted, um, having a great start to his year. Um, and obviously, he's 100% one of the best players on that team. They're a top. They're usually a top 10 team in the country when it all comes down to it. At the end. So they are playing the top. Uh, the top schedule. Um, we'll see what he can do. Uh, he does have a lot, a lot of help on his team. A lot of top players that are have been drafted into the NHL. So hopefully, uh, NHL teams see that they give him a shot this offseason. Yeah, it's all about. I'm sure, honestly, he'll have a couple offers, and they're all going to be obviously entry level deals. So he's really going to most likely have his preference from a couple teams of where he's going to want to go. It should be nice for him. But uh, moving on, and we have out of Clarkson, it is Devin Brasso, uh, also undrafted, and he's already 24 years old. Uh, he's as well a senior to second year being the team captain, so obviously proven leader if you're willing to give him his captaincy his junior year going into senior year. Um, he's averaging 1.7 points per game with 17 points in 10 games, five goals and 12 assists. And uh, another guy that you can expect to get a PTO and a chance to make the NHL next year. Yeah, exactly. You might, uh, you definitely, I think you'll see him in training camps, uh, next year. Um, being 24, uh, he's hoping to have a big year this year just to get that shot. Um, that is, that is like one of the older, uh, older college players I would say right now. Um, but, um, yeah, he is a great player. Clarkson, they're also no joke. They're a good team. Uh, they've been really good the last few years. Um, hopefully, uh, Devin can uh, keep it up and uh, make a name for himself. Uh, moving on, we have Griffin Logren, and he's playing his college hockey right now at Northern Michigan. Uh, he's got, through 12 games, he has 17 points, 9 goals, 8 assists for 1.42 points per game. Uh, as well undrafted, uh, 21 years old. So that's three of the top five point producers in college hockey right now are undrafted. Uh, the NCAA is really, really becoming a much more uh, much more of a feeding system to the NHL. I feel like if you go back a bunch of years, all these guys are most mostly at least coming out of major junior, maybe going to play overseas. But uh, the NCAA seems to, seems to keep producing NHL talent every single year. And I think all three of these guys that we just mentioned that were undrafted will have chances to play in the NHL, and that's something you love to see as an American, as a lover of the game of hockey. You love seeing it grow, uh, really in all, all types of leagues. You like seeing minor hockey or college hockey be as uh, produ productive as possible and as competitive as possible. And I'd say it's at the best it's ever been right now, and that's obviously made possible with Nathan Susie, Devin Brasso, and Griffin Logan all having breakout seasons. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, the college hockey in the United States has never been as good as right now. Uh, my opinion as well. Uh, you see a lot of guys that are drafted in the first round uh, in the NHL this year that are playing college hockey. Um, so uh, the level is very high, and um, we're going to see a lot of these players, these top players in college, going to be in the NHL the next couple of years. So it's going to be exciting to see how they do and uh, where they end up. Yeah, moving on real quick, I want to mention one other guy that you guys have heard me pump his tires a little bit in our first episode, and that's Cole Caulfield, who's 
actually tied for the goal scoring race right now in college hockey, despite being a freshman, uh, true 18 year old freshman nonetheless. He might have turned 19 now, actually. Not exactly sure when his birth date was, but regardless, natural freshman just drafted this year, uh, 1.25 points per game and nine goals in 12 games. So he's off to a great, great start. For his uh, freshman season, and it seems to be like Montreal. It seems to be that I was right, and Montreal was right in saying that this kid was an absolute steal, grabbing him at 15. Yeah, uh, Montreal is definitely happy with what they're seeing right now. Uh, as a freshman at Wisconsin, he has nine uh, nine goals in 12 games this year, which is a pretty crazy pace for a freshman in college. Uh, he's a shorter player, but someone uh, at Montreal like they they are used to shorter guys on their team. Uh, but Montreal definitely needs a goal scorer on their team if they want to take the next step. So hopefully Montreal uh, Montreal fans are probably expecting him in the next uh, two to three years uh, making a name for himself on Montreal. Uh, now we're going to stay on the topic of college hockey, but we're going to shift over to the power rankings, kind of give you guys a, uh, a glimpse of who the best teams are in college hockey and who you could be looking to, uh, to be showing themselves in the Frozen Four later on this year. Uh, the number one team, they've been the consistent number one for a while now, and that's Minnesota State with an eight one and one record. They're, uh, they're they don't seem any they don't show any signs of slowing down. They look they look great out there, and they're uh, they're producing putting up putting up wins pretty much every single night. Yeah, I mean Minnesota State, they're always one of the top teams. Uh, seems like every single year, um, being eight one and one in college hockey is uh, crazy stat. Knowing they 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 do play. Uh, pretty much the same team twice every weekend, so it's really hard to beat someone two time, two times. Uh, but they're doing it. Um, they're definitely gonna keep it up. Expect them to be in the top five all season. Yeah, that wouldn't shock me at all. They're uh, they seem to be one of the best teams, one of the most consistent teams, and that's what it takes to, uh, down the run uh, down the road. You know, you need to be consistent all year, and they obviously early on, but they they seem to have that consistency, which is good. Uh, the second team right now is Cornell, which may be a little bit of a surprise to some people. Obviously, uh, Ivy League schools, I'd say hockey is probably their best sport compared to others. You don't see Ivy League schools really being in the top in football or basketball or anything like that. But uh, I'd say Ivy League schools and hockey have generally been successful, and uh, Cornell nonetheless is riding that. They moved up in the rankings from 3-2 to two last week, and they're 6-0-0 uh, on the year. So obviously a smaller sample size than most schools, but uh, perfect so far. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly what you said. Ivy League schools, you don't really see them uh, usually in the top 10 in college hockey uh, just because of their schedule. Um, and like, and usually it's harder for Ivy League schools to get uh, the talent that these big uh, hockey schools usually get. So um, there must be something there that uh, players love. Uh, might be the coach uh, or just maybe the campus, but um, they're obviously a really good team, 6-0-0 to start the year. Um, we'll see if they can keep it up. I hope they can. It'd be cool to see them um, in the Frozen Four this year. Moving on to the number third ranked team, and that's Notre Dame, who seems to be kind of floating around the top every year. They're a, they're a program that I think has come onto the scene a little bit stronger as of late. They've always been a big name in hockey, but uh, as of late, they've been they've been very good. Uh, eight one and one on the year. They moved up from four to three in the rankings this year. And like I said, uh, this seems to be the strongest team they've had in a while, despite having good teams in the past. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I watched two weekends ago, their Notre Dame played on uh, NBCSN, uh, both their games against Ohio State. So I watched those games. Uh, the kids on their team can absolutely fly and they're big players. So um, they're hard, really hard to play against. They play all three zones very well. They don't let up scoring opportunities. So it's going to be really hard for teams uh, to put the puck in the back of the net against them. 
Um, and the talent they have on their team is unbelievable. So we we should uh, probably see them in the top five all year as well. Yeah, they're led by a senior forward, Cal Burke, with uh, 13 points in 10 games, 1.3 points per game. Him and Mike O'Leary, both seniors, who uh, O'Leary's got 12 through 10 games. They're kind of leading the charge them offensively. And uh, if these guys keep it up, they continue to get the goaltending that they've been getting from uh, Kale Morris, then I think it's going to be a, uh, a pretty good season, and they could have a chance to make a long run into, uh, into the Frozen Four. Moving on to the number four team, and that's Denver University, 8-2-2 uh, and two on the year. They moved down in the rankings from the two spot to the four spot because of a couple losses. But uh, nonetheless, Denver's a proven team every year. I feel like you see them in the tournament every year. Most often, they actually make the Frozen Four, it feels like. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say step back here at all. Just uh, Obviously, they have bounced that was a bad week, but uh, they're, they're, they're an elite program, and they'll continue to, to be an elite program all season long. Yeah, like you said, Denver always in the, always up there, always in the tournament. It seems like uh, just another like another school players love to go to. Um, there must be just something about it. Um, but yeah, like the kids on their team, unbelievable talent, got a lot of draft picks. Um, so we should see them around the top all year as well um, with a couple of these teams. Um, they're just gonna. They did have a couple losses, but ex- we'll see them bounce back this weekend for sure. Yeah, definitely no doubt in my mind there. Uh, moving on to the number five team now, and that's North Dakota, bringing in an 8-1-2 and two record, and they jumped all the way up from the nine spot into the five spot. So big week for them. Uh, another team that has been around the Frozen Four a bunch these past couple years. Obviously, you remember the years when they had uh, Brock Besser, uh, Nick Schmoltz, and... Uh, who's their guy, was uh, Drake Kajula leading that top line. All three of those guys have had steady NHL careers. Obviously, Besser's, I'd say, a young superstar at this point. But uh, I don't know if they'll ever get back to that point or have the talent they did that year. But regardless, 8-1-2, and two, moving up to the five spot, it's looking everything's looking good for North Dakota. Yeah, jumping from uh, 9 to 5 uh, is pretty crazy in college hockey. Uh, need a lot to happen for that. But, yeah, they've proven that they're a good team and they can play with anyone uh, in this league. So I I expect that I expect to see them up there as well all year, um, but yeah, uh, eight one and two nothing to nothing to look away at. Um, hopefully they can keep it up. Uh, they got a lot of good players on the team as well. Uh, we'll see how it goes for them. Okay, now in the number six spot is Penn State, and they actually jumped up from the eight. Uh, they're nine and two. We spoke earlier about how they're being led by Nathan Susie undrafted player who's having himself a great year we already spoke about his stats all that kind of stuff but uh another team moving up in the rankings uh starting to make a name for themselves penn state hockey is uh obviously overshadowed by penn state football with a bunch of these big 10 schools similar but uh i think they're 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 finally at the point now where they're considering themselves like an absolutely consistent college hockey uh program that can produce year in and year out and Obviously, nine and two to start the year in the sixth spot. It's no different this year. Exactly. And if you're not familiar with Penn State's hockey rink or their team, uh, definitely check them out. Look online. Look at some videos. Uh, I'd probably say they have one of the nicest rinks in the call in college hockey. It's probably only like five years, five six years old. Uh, it's insane. Uh, their student section is like right on top of the ice. It's definitely a not a fun place to play if you're the away team. Um, I can definitely see why the top players want to play there, and I can see why they're number six team in college hockey right now. Moving on to the seven team, and that's UMass. Uh, UMass is a team that has been 
relevant in college hockey, it seems like forever. They're uh, they're they're seven and three in the year. Actually moved down from the five spot to the seven spot. So a small bump down, but nothing major. Obviously, still time to turn it around for them. But uh, you know, UMass is a team that's never going to quit. They're going to keep grinding. They're going to go hard all year long. And uh, I, th- I see them still hanging around towards the end of the year. Uh, yeah, me too. Um, they were a great team last year. One of the best in the one of the best all season. Uh, they've kind of taken over the, like the, one of those Boston schools. Like they kind of taken over Boston College, Boston University. Uh, they're still great teams, but um, you don't really see BC and BU up in the top ten anymore. Um, so uh, Massachusetts, uh, they're holding it down for the Boston schools. Uh, we'll see if they can keep it up. Yeah, obviously losing a guy like Kale McCarr is, is is hard for them. I don't even know his stats off the top of my head, but I assume he was playing probably 25 minutes a game, for being honest, at least. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely a, it's a hard loss to overcome. The fact that he's lighting up the NHL like this right now, it'd be remarkable to think he's still technically of age for college hockey. If he was still playing college hockey, it'd be crazy to think what he'd be doing right now. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a hard loss to overcome for them, but uh, they seem to be doing doing fine without him so far. The number eight team right now in the country is Clarkson. Uh, they were seven last week, so again, bumped down one spot. Uh, nothing too crazy to worry about, but uh, Clarkson's a team that, you said, they're uh, they're not really a huge name school. If you're not a college hockey fan, you're probably not really familiar with them, but in terms of hockey, they're, they're a very consistent college program, and they've been producing solid players for a long time to come. Obviously, Devin Brossa, Brossa who we talked about earlier, but, uh, yeah, I think Clarkson is getting a program that's getting more and more recognized every year in the hockey world. And one of these days, I think, will be considered a powerhouse. Yeah, I'd probably say Clarkson's one of the smaller schools in the power rankings for college hockey right now. I think hockey is definitely their biggest sport on campus. Um, but, yeah, like being number eight, uh, that's unbelievable for them. Um, eight, three, and one is um, like great record in college hockey, uh, not the made teams. Uh, start out like that hot so hopefully they can keep it up Uh, they do have a tough schedule ahead of them but we'll see how it goes for them yep moving on to the number nine team and that's minnesota duluth who record wise is definitely doesn't look like they belong technically in this top 10 but when you look at the strength of schedule factor all that stuff in it's no no wonder they're still in the nine spot they're five four and one in the year they moved down from the six to the nine spot this week but uh again minnesota duluth uh very uh, very well-known program in terms of college hockey. I seem to be making runs every single year, so uh, not surprised we still see them here despite those losses and you factor in the strength of schedule. Yeah, I mean, their schedule is pr- definitely top three hardest schedules in college hockey. Uh, every team that they usually play all year is within the top 20 in the power rankings, it seems like. So with uh, their record of 5-4-1, it's like you really wouldn't think they'd be in the top 10 right now in college hockey especially with some teams behind them uh just but the talent on their team is it's unbelievable compared to some other teams and uh we'll see they'll probably start pulling away on that win column yeah they've been playing some some great schools as of late uh umass lowell wisconsin uh minnesota denver so uh, miami ohio but a bunch of bunch of competitive schools that are obviously all within this range of the top 20 rankings. So uh, I expect Minnesota Duluth to continue to have a good season. And even though the record might not show right now, they're still one of the best teams in college hockey. Uh, moving on to the number 10 team, another Ivy League school cracks the top 10, and that's Harvard. 5-0-0 on the year. Again, smaller sample size, but uh, 
five on you know, a perfect record. It's kind of hard to leave them out of the top ten. Uh, moving up from thirteen to the ten spot, they're uh, they're looking great. Harvard's produced some great NHL talents over the years. Uh, I don't think Jimmy Vc's planned out to what everyone thought he was going to be, but uh, Adam Fox has looked great so far in his young NHL career. A bunch of guys like that, uh, Ryan Donato. So Harvard is uh, Harvard's definitely under the radar in terms of producing legitimate NHL talent, and uh, I think they're another program that seems to get better better every year. Yeah, Harvard, another one of those uh, Boston schools that uh, you really wouldn't like, like think they'd be better than BC or BU in college hockey. But yeah, like they do uh, have unbelievable players. It looks like every single year now, um, they get a kid now, Riley Walsh. Um, I actually did. I actually played against him in, in a prep school in Massachusetts in a game, and the kid took the game over by himself. Uh, he was going end to end, just walking through all our players it was unbelievable to watch uh he is actually off to a pretty hot start right now i believe he has 13 points this year so and um look for a lot for them uh they do have a smaller sample size compared to other teams but they're one of the best teams in college hockey for sure uh we'll probably wrap up there the the top 10 teams in the country now for college hockey just want to say the next team out ohio state uh they're six three and one they are playing number six penn state this weekend at nine two and oh so that could shake up a lot of the standings if Ohio State wins one one or two of the games. Uh, we'll see how they do, um, but look forward. Uh, we will talk about we will talk about college hockey again in the future sometime. Uh, just look forward to the next power rankings. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and moving on real quick, uh, we forgot to mention it earlier. I want to talk about just a couple days ago the Flyers recalled Morgan Frost. Uh, so he made his NHL debut a couple games ago, and he actually has two goals through two games, uh, an assist in one of them, so that's three points in two games, averaging, I'd say, around 15 minutes of ice time in those two games, and uh, he slid in, he's looked great, he was a first-round pick back in 2017, uh, he had a beautiful assist to Claude Drew the other day, uh, showed great patience, which it's, it's hard to find in these young guys, but uh, Morgan Frost has looked great so far. Uh, I saw actually the uh, Flyers broadcast tweeted out a little stat, it was Obviously a joke saying that he's technically the NHL leader all-time in goals per game right now with a goal per game, which no one else has, has matched. But uh, you have, I guess, Mike Boss, who was behind him with .76. But obviously they were just joking around, having a little fun with it. But uh, great start for Morgan Frost, only 20 years old, and uh, Flyers fans should be really excited about him. Uh, yeah, definitely I agree with that. I mean, uh, the Flyers do have a lot, a lot of talent on our team, even though they're usually – Aren't, you haven't been seeing them in the playoffs lately. Like the talent on our team is unbelievable. Uh, playing with guys like uh, Claude Giroux or um, Couturier, uh, nothing to like. I would not complain about playing with those two players. Uh, if he steps in there, if he can hopefully stay up the whole season, uh, that's great for the Flyers. Uh, they're doing pretty good things right now. Uh, they're making a push. Hopefully, they make the playoffs this year. Uh, we'll see what they do, but it's always fun when they're in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. They're, uh, I mean, obviously not original six team, but they were kind of the first team to really come. I mean, they're the first non-original six team to win a cup. It seems like the NA, uh, they're Broad Street Bullies take them back to those days. They're a physical team. The Flyers fans are always loud, getting in your face. And uh, I mean, it's always an exciting thing to watch a game in Philly, regardless of your team's playing or not. You know the arena is going to be loud. You know there's going to be some, some, some big hits being thrown and stuff like that. They uh, obviously they've they've shifted into the modern day hockey, but they still bring that kind of Flyers energy that they've had ever since they were first brought in the NHL back in the seventies. 
Okay, guys, so that's going to conclude this episode of Prospect Barn. Again, I want to thank you guys for listening, subscribing, and rating. It's been uh, unbelievable. You guys have been great, obviously, helping us spread the word about this podcast, getting it out there. And uh, hopefully we continue to bring you guys some good content, and uh, hopefully the podcast just keeps moving forward. Yeah, exactly. I hope everyone liked this uh, episode. I know the first two come probably maybe were a little slow, just talking about the draft picks, but uh, this episode we actually got to talk about the players and the teams more so i think that was fun um just keep listening next week or two weeks from now and we can uh talk about more with you guys um would love to hear from some of you guys any questions you guys have about it um but yeah i'm excited for next week's podcast thank you for uh subscribing and um showing everyone our podcast yeah exactly that being said also i'm glad you brought that up uh next episode for the first time ever we're gonna have the ability for you guys to ask us questions uh, you can tweet us the questions you want us to answer. Uh, my Twitter handle is at CRatner15, and then Jeff's is at Jeff underscore Lyford. If you guys have any interest in getting your questions, or hearing our opinions on, I guess, the future of your team with all these young talent, maybe just general specific players you want to know about, uh, just tweet us those questions and we'll answer them on the next podcast. So uh, thank you guys and uh, take care.